we have the privilege, we're calling it Throwback Thursday because Pastor Kurt Ains, if you don't know who he is, he's, he served this place as, as pastor for three years and he served us very well. He was a great leader, a great inspiration to all of us and we're so happy to have him back. We're so happy that he's here to uh, share the word of God with us today and, and I'm thankful for him and for his, you know, as I stepped into this position, he's been only been supportive, encouraging and, and he's been there for me. So I'm very grateful for his his integrity and his um, compassion and his willingness to uh, help me and to encourage me. And, and so we're glad to have him back. So Kurt, if you wanna uh, make your way up and as he's coming, just give him a round of applause. So, so I'm gonna get it up to you, man. All right, buddy. Thank you, Jake. What's up, everybody? I don't even know where to put this. I'm just going to hold it. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jake. Um, can we take a moment and honor your Pastor Jake and Abby for what an amazing job that they are doing and continue to do here? Oh, come on, everybody. Put your hands together. It's not seven in the morning. It's seven at night. Oh, got it. But it is great to be back here with you all at Access. My wife, Lindsay, uh, who many of you know, many of you don't know, uh, unfortunately could not be here with us. Our daughter, Riley, um, yeah, I'm going to put that right there. Yeah, I got it. Thanks, man. Johnny on the spot right there, everybody. Johnny on the spot. Um, she couldn't be here. We had an eight-year-old daughter who has the flu. And uh, yeah, so she sends her best and she's watching online right now. She sent me a text. I just uh, checked my text before I walked up here and she says, oh my gosh, they have the best worship. There's like nobody better except Bethel. Other than that, Access is the best. So we, we, we miss you guys so much, but so glad that Access continues to thrive. Oh my goodness, I'm excited to give the message tonight. Pastor Jake has been doing an amazing job. We're in the midst of a series. He's in the midst of a series uh, titled Living in Inheritance. And he's kind of given me the liberties and freedoms to talk uh, a little bit off the subject of Joshua, but I will include some of that. And then I think at another point in time, he's going to come and he's going to close the, the series off with a bang and he knows exactly what he's going to do. It's going to be amazing. So tonight, what I want to talk to you all about without further ado is the subject of comfort, the subject of comfort. So I, I'm talking about the comfort in our walk with Jesus Christ that tends to, okay, let me t first tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about comfort like Brent was praying up here because our God is a God of all comfort. He wants us to be comforted as, as long as we live in, in this world. God desires and longs for us to be comforted, okay? No matter what season of life we may be going through, scripture is very, very clear from beginning to end. God wants us to be comforted, but that is not to say that God wants us to be comfortable, Okay, so I want to talk to you about comfort. Now, the comfort that I'm discussing is the comfort that leads to complacency in our walk with the Lord, that leads to lukewarmness. And those of us who have, you know, studied some scripture, maybe been in church for some length of time, understand what lukewarm means. And for those of you who don't really know what lukewarm means scripturally, just know this, Jesus talked about it and it's not good. Okay, it's just not good. So we don't want to get to the place where we become too comfortable, complacent, or lukewarm. But one more uh, uh, 
disclosure statement that I want to make before I jump in and read some scripture is this. I'm also not talking about being comfortable in your relationship with God, being comfortable speaking with, talking with, uh, uh, pursuing God. I am all in when it comes to being comfortable in approaching God. We know that we can boldly and confidently approach God anytime we want to, okay? Anytime that we want to. So I'm all in on that. That's, again, I'm talking about the comfort in our walk with God that leads us to complacency, that leads to lukewarmness. So we're gonna be in Mark chapter eight, and I'm going to read about four verses of scripture to you right now, and then we're going, to jump, uh, we're going to jump around a little bit, and then we'll end up back in verse 27 later on. Verse 34 starts by saying, then he, it's now Jesus. So here's what's happening. Jesus was having a discussion with his disciples, and it was a very intimate discussion. He was telling them that he was about to be arrested, tried, and crucified, okay? It was a very uncomfortable conversation that Jesus was having with his disciples, all right, something happens. Peter ends up rebuking Jesus, and then Jesus understood something, and so he saw it as a teaching moment, so he calls this crowd together, much like we have here tonight. We have a crowd here. You've positioned yourself to hear the word of God. That's important. That's very important. Now, he calls the crowd to him, but he just got done telling them that he was to be arrested, tried, and crucified. So uncomfortable because every one of his closest followers knew something. They knew that if Jesus was to be arrested, tried, and crucified, that those who were following closest to him, if he was arrested, tried, and crucified, those disciples who were following him closely could also be arrested, tried, and crucified. So Jesus uses this moment, and he calls a crowd. So there must have been people around, and he just says, all right, everybody, come on in. We're going to have a little team meeting, right? So he calls this crowd together, along with his disciples. So his disciples probably sit in the front row. He <laughs> says this, whoever, this is such a rich and beautiful teaching, whoever wants to be my disciple. Come on, somebody. I'm all in. Who's all in? Who, who's trying to be a disciple? Okay, all in. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life. Me? Come on, somebody. Who here wants to, I mean, you're not trying to die. Can we just find some common ground? I'm trying to save my life. I'm trying to live long and prosper. Come on. I'm not trying to die. So he's finding common ground with everybody that he's talking to. Whoever wants to save their life, yeah, that's me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Oh, yeah. That's right. See, we, we all want to save our life. That's why you eat the way you do. That's why you exercise the way you do. You cut back on those carbs. You say no to ice cream and stuff like that. You deny yourself some stuff, right? so that you could maybe extend your life a little bit, right? But we all know no matter how much of a health fanatic or a health nut we might be, Jesus is saying that's great that you want to save your life, but don't forget, no matter how well you do it, cutting back on carbs, you're still going to die. Everybody's like, yeah, okay, that's true. Whoever wants to save their life is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the sake of the gospel will save it. What? Huh? 
my goodness, this is so good. Now, what is he saying? He's saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you value like saving your life. You value that very highly, but don't forget that life that you want to save, you're going to lose. But I'm telling you, if you'll just lose that life, you're going to lose anyway for a cause, for a purpose. How many of you know that we all die of something? Not many of us die for something. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you an opportunity. If you want to live with purpose, if you want to live in inheritance, if you want to live in your calling, by the way, comfort and calling rarely go together, friends. They are not friends. If you want to make comfort in your Christianity your highest priority, you will never enter into your calling and you will never receive the fullest of what God has in store for you. So he's saying, but if you just want to lose that life, you're going to lose anyway and you want to live for me. You'll save your life. And then he says, for what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? What good is it for you? And by the way, this is, this is our culture, right? This is exactly how we're raised up. Is like, you know, you get good grades in high school, and then you go to college, you get better grades. And then when you, you know, get those better grades in college, then you can maybe buy a house. But don't, don't get married yet, because you've got to have that house, and then you've got to have the white picket fence, and you've got to have the car, and you've got to have, you know, you've got to be able to pay your mortgage before you get And then when you get married, then you're going to have kids, and then, then you'll be happy and, for a minute. And then... <laughs> And then on and on, and all these things that lead to happiness. And then once you have that good job, that high-paying job, then you're going to be happy. And Jesus is like, never said that. Never said that. What good is it for you to gain the whole world? Now imagine the perfect world for you, the life of comfort for you, whatever that looks like, you know, whether it's the yachts, the boats, the, the timeshares, the, the, the amazing job, the living in the best neighborhood you can possibly imagine, keeping up with the Joneses, your lawn looks amazing. I live across from the Joneses. <laughs> Pray for me. But what does that look like for you? What does gaining the whole world look like for you? I don't know. You know. And here's what Jesus is saying. Imagine that. Let's play an imaginary game. Imagine that you gained everything that you wanted for you. What if you gained all of those things? What if that actually happened? You got all of that stuff. And then at the end of this thing we call life, you realize and recognize that you forfeited your soul. He says, what good is that? It's no good. <laughs> it's no good. So he's got people thinking in the crowd now. He's got them thinking, right? He's got them hooked. And then he says this, or what can, or what would you give in that moment on your deathbed to know that you are right with God? that you didn't forfeit your soul? What would you give in exchange for your soul? And let me tell you something, friends. You imagine being on your deathbed in the most ideal scenario that we could paint, which would be to have our closest family and closest friends around us praying for us. And imagine that you had everything that you wanted for you. What would you give in that moment? to know that your eternity, your eternal destination, the real you, because we're created spirit, soul, then body, this body's going to run out of gas. 
and we don't know when. What would you trade? And I would trade everything to be with Jesus for all of eternity. Everything. Jesus is saying, if you'll just give me this much. Man, I've got a rope in my bag. I should have brought it out here. If you'll just give me this thing called life, I'll give you all of that. What would you trade? You'd trade anything and everything to know that you did it right. Father, I thank you for the remaining time that we have to spend together. Lord, stretch us, challenge us. Lord, make us uncomfortable, God. We are drowning in a world of information, God, and we are desperate for wisdom. Grant that to us, God. In Jesus' holy name, we all together said, amen. Does anybody else like autumn, fall? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, autumn. Yeah, raise your hand. It's my favorite, personally, my favorite, favorite, favorite time of the year. It's a, it's a time of change. It's, you know, actually we just, time literally just changed. We fell back, right? Something like that. And, and uh, now it's getting dark out real early and all that. But I love, I love fall for so many reasons. I love football. I love college football. I love NFL football. I love high school football. I like peewee football. I like all of it. I like the World Series. The Cubbies brought it home. Come on, somebody. Did anybody watch that series? That was incredible. You guys don't watch sports up in here. Bert did. I knew Bert did. Amen. But it's a, it's a time of change. I love, what I love the most is sometimes is just getting in my car and driving with my family and looking at all the leaves and they change colors and they're the most beautiful yellows and reds and oranges and the cool, crisp autumn breeze when you step outside, which we haven't had much of. I need some more of it. It's too warm right now. But man, I love autumn. All the change is so amazingly beautiful. And then, you know, Halloween comes, right? Halloween came and it went, but you get everything ready and you get the kids out trick-or-treating. You guys don't have kids probably, but, but, I, but I do. And, and it's exciting because I eat all of their candy when they're not looking. And you'll be able to do all of that, you know, as soon as you have kids. And, you know, we end up, what happens when you get a, yeah, amen. What happens is, uh, what happens, I'm just going to let you in on a little secret. Did anybody in here trick or treat? Some of you don't want to admit it. (laughs) Nice. Here's what happens though. You get older and your kids go out and they, you know, you, you kind of build the fire at home. They go out with their friends. They come back with this massive pile of candy and what happens. I'm just so sick and tired of the candy being in there because I actually tricked myself into eating about 10 of those miniature Snickers because they're called miniature. Right. And, right? So, yeah, I don't, I don't want to eat a full candy bar. But I'll have 25 of those miniature <laughs> Snickers. And then I feel horrible about myself, right? It's awful. You guys are going to do this one day. But Halloween comes and goes. I love Halloween. And then it leads into Thanksgiving, which is next week, Thursday. Yeah, we get to eat turkey. And, man, we get, we get to go see, like, our families, which for some of us, that's not good. And uh, we get to eat a bunch of food, hit that tryptophan turkey coma, you know. And then leftovers. Come on, somebody. We get leftovers. I'm a leftovers fan. I'm already watching Food Network leftovers shows, so I know what to do the next day. And then comes Christmas, one of our favorite times of the year. We get to celebrate Jesus, 
right? The birth. You're like, no, man, I was thinking about the presence. <laughs> thinking about the presence, for real. But then after Christmas comes what? The new year. And a new year, new hope, right? All these new things. And you know what comes with, uh, with a new year is this New Year's resolutions, right? It's right around the corner, friends. And you know what the number one New Year's resolution is? Every year, without fail, come on, somebody. Lose weight, get back in shape, get back in those college jeans, girl. Come on. Well, you guys are in college. But for people like me, I got to work at that, people. And every year I say I'm going to do something that I never end up doing, which is lose 25 pounds. It's hard, but then what we, what do we, here's what we do. We're like, we're going to do it again. Well, this year, it's going to change. This year, I'm going to do it. So then you get that gym membership, maybe a three-month or a six-month, and then you go into the gym. You, you know how this goes, people, right? And then you sit down with that person in the gym that is like the, you know, the, the trainer guy or girl or whatever, and you sit down, and then they hand you that, that clipboard with that piece of paper, and on that piece of paper, they have questions. And one of the questions is like, so what are your goals? And I'm like, I'd like to look like Thor. <laughs> or, may, or maybe Captain America. And then they're like, oh, no, no, no. Like, let me ask it a different way. Like, what are, you, what are your health goals? Pretty sure Thor's healthy. Have you, right? Have you seen the movie? Right? Healthy. I want to be like that. So then they, they write you up a program. They're like, all right, we're going to get you started. And you're, you're all excited. Then you get started and you're working out. You know, you're in the gym. You think you get credit just for showing up at the gym without moving any weight whatsoever. You th like, right? Like, we, like when we come to church, right? Oh. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. People. I'm not lost. I am not just ranting. I know where I'm at now. <laughs> Here's the prescription. We're going to make you look like Thor, but it's going to take work. And we start out with hope. Man, we get in the gym, we start moving some weights. We get on that elliptical. And you're like, yeah, girl, I feel good. Got your jams going and the iTunes, you know, and you feel like something's happening, right? And it is. You feel good. You got your Fitbit on, getting your 10,000 steps in, tweeting out, you know, every little thing you're doing. And, and then you go home and you feel good about yourself because them endorphins just released all throughout your body. And it's like you're on this high now. And then day two comes around and there's hope, even more hope. Oh, girl, I'm going to look good. Oh, yeah, boy, I'm going to get them gains, right? <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> Muscle heads, I see you in here. Right, but I'm going to get them gains and I'm pushing the weight. And it's going great. And then day four hits. And you're sore and it's painful but some of you get in the gym and it's uncomfortable because you have all those other people around you that know what they're doing and you you're like, like Nick was telling me a story the other day where he was he was on a leg press this was probably four years ago and he's on a leg press and he bow he got it like all maxed out and bam he gets this leg press and pushes it out and some guy walks over to him and says so what, he's never met the guy. So what was your plan? He was like, I, to lift the weight? But he's uncomfortable, you know? It's like, you get in the gym and some people just know what they're doing and it makes you uncomfortable. But man, day four hits and bam, you're sore. Now there's pain and uh, it's uncomfortable. And now all of a sudden that goal 
to look like Thor doesn't seem so good no more. Because you didn't know it was going to be that painful. You didn't know it was going to be that uncomfortable. So you switched over to Weight Watchers and, and, and Fitbit, right? And now you're tracking your calories. Yeah, I'm just going to do it that way. And then by the end of the year, you've switched at least nine times. Come on, somebody. Maybe not now, but you'll know what I'm talking about in like 10 years. But there's pain. Isn't, isn't this a picture of how we do spiritually sometimes? We think we get credit for just coming into church and sitting and listening and, oh, check, got to church this week. Praise the Lord. Getting out of here, I went to church. Think that we got credit for something, right? But here's what Jesus says. He's very clear. End of the greatest message I believe ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, 7. He says, man, it's so awesome. Thanks for coming. But you aren't blessed by what you hear. You'll be, the blessing comes when you do something with what you've heard. Now, that many times can be painful and uncomfortable. And Jesus is saying, sometimes you're going to have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. And there's tension there. There's tension there, and it can be painful. It can be uncomfortable. And I want to show you a, a, an uncomfortable conversation that Jesus has, but I want to go back to Mark chapter 8, but I want to go back a little bit to get a little bit more context of what this scripture actually is saying. So in verse 27, it, this is the conversation between Jesus and his disciples that I described earlier. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say that I am? So here, Jesus knew that there's a buzz going on. All right, he's doing miracles, his ministry is going great, people are talking, and word of mouth is just spreading like it, you know, they got Facebook, you know, and stuff. And so he's saying, Who are people saying that I am? He's asking his closest followers. They say to him, Well, some think that you're John the Baptist, who was recently beheaded. Others think that you're Elijah, who had been dead for a really long time. And others just think you're maybe one of the prophets. They're talking about reincarnation here, okay? And then he says, but what about you? So he switches the conversation from what about everybody else to, okay, these are my closest followers. They spend every day with me. What about, what about you? Who do you think that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up and he says, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah, you know, and, and in another translation, you know, he says, you're, you're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven revealed this to you. And because of this revelation, I no longer call you Simon, which means shaky and shifty like the sand, but I call you Peter, which means solid like a rock. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he says, you're the Messiah. Yeah, yeah, we believe it. And then Jesus says, yep, you got it, bingo. Shh. Don't tell anybody. It's not time for that to be revealed to the greater population at this point, right? So he tells them to be quiet. And then he says, he began to teach them that he must suffer. This is now when it transitions in, into becoming very uncomfortable. He must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. So now he's talking about his death. Nobody wanted to listen to that. 
Nobody wanted to hear him talking about his own death because they knew that if he was going to be arrested, tried, and crucified, there was a good chance that they would be arrested, tried, and crucified. Super uncomfortable. They know what the cross meant. Like for us, it could be a piece of jewelry, right? Or a bumper sticker. But back in the day when Jesus was saying this, it meant literal death. They were terrified. I promise you, they were more than uncomfortable when Jesus was saying this. They knew exactly what he meant. He's going to be rejected, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. After three days rise again, he spoke plainly about this with them. Peter takes him aside and starts rebuking him. Now, this is interesting to me because Peter calls Jesus now. He's having a discussion with just the disciples. And it's like Peter takes Jesus aside, so away from the disciples, and I believe Jesus' back was turned, and I'll explain why in a second. I think his back was turned to the disciples. And Peter brought Jesus over, and he's like, Jesus, what are you doing? <laughs> this, may have, this, this conversation may have taken, what are you doing? Why, why are you going negative on us? Like, everything's been going good, you know? You're, you're famous. I'm famous, probably more famous than John, because, you know, I'm Peter, the fisherman, right? <laughs> Like, why, why are you going negative right now? Why are you talking about dying? Nobody wants to hear that. That is too uncomfortable for us. And he rebukes Jesus. And it's interesting because it says in the scripture that Jesus then turned. He says, not even to his face, because it says that he turned to the disciples. And it's as if to say, if Peter is thinking this, I wonder if the rest of my disciples are thinking the exact same thing. He turns to the disciples and he says, get behind me, Satan, shows his back to Peter, but he's also, I believe, looking his disciples in the eyes going, you thinking the same thing? Get behind me because you don't have in mind the concerns of God, only human concerns. And he was calling them on the carpet when he said this. And it was uncomfortable. Because here's what he was saying, Peter, don't go consumer Christian on me. You, yeah, 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 you've been through some uncomfortable stuff. You know, maybe when I sent you out two by two and I told you to lay hands on the sick, cast out devils, you know, raise the dead. Yeah, that was uncomfortable. I get it. But you know, you know what it's like in Christianity, friends. It starts out and you have all these small little uncomfortable experiences, but then all of a sudden it becomes comfortable. And then you get complacent. And then you get lukewarm. And I believe Jesus is saying, get behind me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. You're only concerned about you. And listen, don't go consumer Christian on me because it's never been about what you get out of it. And that's what's tough for us because we can trick ourselves into thinking, man, I'm following Jesus. What can I, uh, Lord, what can you do for me? See, he wanted them to set up this, you know, political agenda and bring in, you know, the troops and like, let's kill them all, Jesus. Everything's going great. You're the Messiah. You aren't going to die. No, 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 no. We don't want that. We want something else. And he says, no, no, no. I got something else in mind. I'm on God's agenda. You're on your own agenda. And that's clashing. So then he gets into verse 34 and he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, calls everybody, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow him. And there's four things that I want to point out and extract from that one verse and this one, this one scenario, this one teaching from, from this scripture. One is this. These people positioned themselves to hear from God. The second thing they did is listen to God. Now, 
Let me, let me back up to hearing from God because how many of you know that it is like we have a whole lot of stuff going on in our lives that is, that is fighting against us positioning ourselves to hear from God. These people position themselves to hear from God. And then once you position yourself to hear from God, you got to listen to them. And don't we do more talking in our prayer time than listening sometimes, don't we? Remember that when you get in prayer time, you should be listening as much or more. We good? So position yourself to hear God. Listen to God. The third thing is this, and this is where the rubber meets the road in Christianity. Obey God. So whatever he says, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, are you already saying yes before he speaks? That's what a disciple would do. And then the last thing is this, trust God. You will never obey somebody you don't trust. After you say yes to whatever God is asking you to do, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, You say yes, now you have to trust him, even if it doesn't make sense. Your job and my job as a follower of Jesus Christ is to obey irrationally sometimes. And that's tough, and that's uncomfortable. Man, I can tell you story after story, and many of you have heard these stories, some of them at least, where you know I got born again in, in my truck back in, in uh, 2009 on May 2nd. And I still, you know what, friends? I, <laughs> I was thinking about it on my way in here as I was thinking about this particular night and like this story that I was gonna tell, and I realized something. I still haven't gotten over getting saved. I still haven't gotten over it. How about you? You know, I just, I haven't gotten over being born again. And so I have this radical encounter in my truck with the Lord. Everything changes. I say yes to following him. And I swore that I'd never go to church. And then I showed up to church here on a Sunday back on, you know, July 4th weekend and came in. And I remember the worship setting was very much like this worship setting we had tonight. And it was uncomfortable for me. Oh, come on, somebody. I know there's people in here that, that feel me on that. It's still uncomfortable for some people. Man, it was uncomfortable. People were dancing like, like somebody was running down the aisle. Somebody was dancing and stuff. And I was like, what cult did you bring me to, Uncle Chris? What is going on here? I had, had no church background, you know, and, and, and so I go back and tell my wife, you got to come to this church. She comes, and, you know, she's born, raised, and schooled in another uh, religious tradition, and, and so it was super uncomfortable for her, and then I would, you know, still, I do this sometimes, and a lot of you might do this too, where you close your eyes during worship, you know, because it's a little more spiritual maybe, or you want to connect with God maybe, right, and and then I remember one morning in particular, we were attending regularly for quite some time at this point, and you know what I, I, I would do? I would sit all the way in the back, up in the balcony, where nobody could see me, but I could see everybody else, and, and I would have my eyes closed and worshiping God, you know, with my hands in my pocket, because I look cool, you know, and then I would do this. <laughs> Open the one eye and look out, you know, because it made me uncomfortable when people would raise their hands in worship. Yeah, I see some of you nodding your heads in here, right? It makes you uncomfortable sometimes. And, and so I would open my eyes. And one particular morning, I remember, I was worshiping like this. And I went, bam. My wife was right here next to me, and she was two hands up in the air. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I did what every single one of you in this room would have done. I waited till we got in the car. 
I didn't say nothing then. But we got in the car and started driving. And I said, yeah, so, hey, honey, noticed uh, that uh, you had your hands up, like, in worship this morning. What's up? What's up with that? And uh, she says, and I said, like, why, you know? Because I was uncomfortable. And she says, I just felt like God wanted me to do it. She was just obeying God, and I was like, okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> Moved on, right? Man, and then, you know, you get involved, and I remember at the end of three years, it's like, man, there's got to be something more than this, so I fill out a card and volunteer in the ground floor right here, and, and you know, my, my wife gets asked, to, have you ever worked with people? Like 15 to 18? You were there just a few years ago, right? Uh-huh. Well, for people over 30, that's uncomfortable. Because you lose all your swag after 30. Like, at least, <laughs> at least mentally. No, I'm not kidding. It'll happen. It'll happen to you. You don't think so? Wait till you hit 30. You're going to be like, yeah, I just don't feel like I fit. And now all of a sudden, all of a sudden, high schoolers terrify you. It's weird. It's bizarre. It's not like you've been that far removed. But man, I'll tell you what. They asked us to volunteer on the ground floor, and my wife and I were uncomfortable with it, man. And it, I'll tell you what. They asked my wife to even do a small group, and there's some girls here that would come over, and they wouldn't really even do small group because they wanted to watch Once Upon a Time all the time. And like, <laughs> that was small group, though. It was relationship building. It was all about relationships, you know. But it was uncomfortable, and my wife was terrified. Man, oh man. But then it's like, you know, they start having you do these tithing messages and it was uncomfortable. And then it's like that. You know how it goes in your walk, right? And then you remember when you first got born again and you found like three Christian friends? Because you didn't really have that many before, right? And then you go out to lunch with them and you never used to pray for your food. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this because then they, they, they pray. You're like about to eat and they're like, oh, wait, wait, you can't eat until I pray. <laughs> and it's like you're having a normal conversation in a normal tone and then all of a sudden, this super Christian across from you starts going, Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray, Father, Lord God, Lord God, Lord. And you're like this in the restaurant looking around and everybody's like... Have you, do you know that person? You're laughing. You guys know those? Yeah. I've had that experience and it was uncomfortable, but now I'm like, yeah, keep going. Man, let me jump in, <laughs> you know, because it was uncomfortable at first, but then you get comfortable with it after, you know, over time and oh my gosh, <laughs> story after story. But I can tell you, I can tell you, Nick can tell you, Jake can tell story after story of people your age that have position themselves to hear God. They listen to God. And God said, ask them to do something uncomfortable. And they would come up and they say, I feel like this is what God is asking me to do. And it required them sometimes to move away. I've seen people move to California to, to, to the ends. Of the, I've seen people move all over the country because they felt like they heard God and they had no money. They had no resources. They had nothing in their pocket. They had nothing but some faith and obedience. And I've seen God bless it because they obeyed and they trusted God. And God came through every single time above any of our wildest imaginations. Amen. Even though it was uncomfortable, every single time, uncomfortable, 
Are you positioning yourself to hear? Are you listening? And will you obey no matter what he asks you to do? The God of all comfort wants you to be comforted. He doesn't always want you to be comfortable. Now, I, uh, I sat down, I started thinking about this as I put this message together. And I sat down on my laptop and I just started going, and I'm thinking about, you know, uh, all these different Bible stories from like Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And I don't even have time to list them all, but I think you, you guys are going to love this because I want you to listen here on some stories from the Bible of how uncomfortable these men and women were because they positioned themselves to hear. They listened, they obeyed, and they trusted God. Check this out. You're going to like this. Abraham. Hey, leave your country, your people, your father's house, and move to a place that you've never been before. Uncomfortable. Abraham, sacrifice your son. Uncomfortable. Joseph, tossed in a pit and thrown into a prison for a crime he did not commit. Uncomfortable. Esther, hey, I'm going to use you to save your people and my people, so I want you to approach the king without being summoned, which could mean you might be put to death. Uncomfortable. Noah, <laughs> this is the best. Noah, it's never rained, ever. <laughs> Build me a boat. Uncomfortable. Moses, I understand you hate speaking in public, but you're going to talk to Pharaoh. Oh, and by the way, I'm sending you to free millions of slaves. Uncomfortable. Joshua. Big Mo is dead, and you get to fill his shoes. Good luck with that. Uncomfortable. <laughs> Joshua, march around Jericho, and when I tell you to scream, the city walls will crumble to the ground. Yeah, okay. Uncomfortable. Can you imagine that conversation with your troops? Oh, Lord, help me. David, dancing half naked before the ark, worshiping God in front of a huge crowd. Uncomfortable. David's king, leader, and father-in-law is going to try to murder him. Ooh, uncomfortable. Help me out. Benaiah ends up in, in a pit with a lion on a snowy day. Uncomfortable. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego asked to bow down and worship an idol, yet they stood their ground for the one and only God, thrown into a fire. Uncomfortable. Hosea. <laughs> I want you to go marry a prostitute to show Israel how much I love them because I want to use your life as a sermon. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Gideon, yeah, I understand that your clan's the weakest. That's why I'm going to send you to save Israel. Uncomfortable. Jeremiah, no one's ever going to listen to you. <laughs> ever. But I want you to say what I tell you anyway. Uncomfortable. Mary. <laughs> yeah. Mary. <laughs> you're, you've been you're favored by God. So you've been chosen to give birth to God. <laughs> uncomfortable. That is so uncomfortable. <sighs> oh, and by the way, people are going to think you're cheating on Joseph. And they might call you a slut and a whore. Ooh. It's for real, people. Uncomfortable, thank you. Uncomfortable. Oh, gosh. Joseph. Mary and Joseph. How about Joseph? Oh. 
Joseph, <laughs> your girlfriend is going to get pregnant and it's not going to happen through you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Say it with me. Uncomfortable. <laughs> John the Baptist eats bugs and stuff. <laughs> That's just stupid. Jesus baptized by John, and immediately God says, go to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Thanks, Lord. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Jesus says, follow me to a tax collector, the most reviled people of their day, then goes to his house to hang out with him and his tax collecting friends, the scum of the town, making his disciples and all of the religious folks very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> Jesus gives the Twilight Saga sermon series and says to thousands, eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> uncomfortable. That's absolutely uncomfortable. People who are still walking around with a Samsung Galaxy Note 7 and could spontaneously combust at any moment. You guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but that's uncomfortable. Those things light on fire, people. When I turned 36 years old earlier this year and Jasmine Hurtado says to me, and Jasmine Hurtado says to me, Pastor Kurt, I thought you were like 40. Unforgivable. <laughs> yes, this is getting good. Paul, shipwrecked, snake bitten, beaten, blinded by the light. You know that one? He was blinded for a minute. Tossed off a donkey, thrown into prison multiple times for denying himself and following Jesus. Uncomfortable. Jesus, Savior of the world, King of the universe, hanging naked on a cross in front of his own mama, bleeding out for the whole world. Uncomfortable. I could go on and on and on and on and on and on. You want to know what the one common denominator with all these stories are? They positioned themselves to hear from God. They listened to God. They obeyed God. And they trusted God. And in every single one of these accounts, no matter how uncomfortable it was, God came through even though they were uncomfortable. Now, let me tell you something, because as I put this message together, I was thinking about that word uncomfortable. You could break it down into two parts, uncomfort and able. In all of your uncomfortable, if God asks you to do something uncomfortable, know that he is able to do whatever he says. He will fulfill all of his promises. All of the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yes and they're amen. They will happen and it has nothing to do with you. Oh, wait, 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 but it does. <laughs> are you willing to obey what you hear? Because here's what's gonna happen from now until the time you leave this planet. You're gonna be faced... <laughs> I want to make sure that I'm very clear. I am not up here 
saying to you, and I do not believe that we should perpetually live in seasons of uncomfort like every single day I'm just uncomfortable. You know, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I am saying this. There are gonna be moments and it never ends while we're on this side of heaven where Jesus is gonna ask you to do something and it could be from the word of God, it could be through a time of prayer, however it comes. It could come through a preacher preaching and you know what Jesus is asking you to do. And you, you, know, you want to know how, you know, there's this moment of, do I, I get to deny myself and follow Jesus? Because there's going to be tension. There's going to be forks in the road and you can go one way or another. And you can either go your way or you can go his way. And there's tension there. Will you deny yourself and follow Jesus? Because if you do, God will bless your life in ways that you can't even possibly imagine. Now, I want you to close your eyes because I want to ask you a question. Here's a question. When was the last time, when was the last time you were uncomfortable following Jesus? All right, you can open your eyes. I want to tell you something. Jake, I'm going to wrap up and then you can come up and close. If you haven't been uncomfortable in your walk with the Lord, I'm not saying that that's bad. Maybe you just came out of a season of, of, of uncomfort and you know, you're just waiting to hear what the Lord has next for you. Okay, that's great. But maybe you've had an extended period of time and you know what I'm talking about and you've become comfortable and you've become complacent and your faith is lukewarm at best. All I'm gonna ask you to do is continue to position yourselves to hear, to listen, to obey, and to trust. That's it. And then for the rest of you, when I ask that question, and you thought to yourself, man, I'm pretty uncomfortable right now. The Lord has me in an uncomfortable season right now. Get your popcorn ready. Because God is gonna show himself strong in your life. And he's about to do some incredible things that you're gonna wanna see with your eyes. And you may not know it, initially, but there'll be years that go by and you get to look back and say, God, there is no way that I ever, ever in a million years could have imagined that. The title of my message is Comfortably Uncomfortable. All of your uncomfort and all of my uncomfort, he is able, which is why we can be comfortably uncomfortable following Jesus. Lord, make us uncomfortable in Jesus' name, amen.